filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So are we doing this? Let's yeah. do it. That is me opening a bottle of rum. Cheers. That was me taking a shot of vodka. Uh, I slapped my uh, shot glass down uh, because I drank a warm shot of gin. Yeah, I just pulled oh. from a warm bottle of rum. We all did bad. That we all- DC United did worse, so... Our uh, our longtime listeners know the tradition here. Uh, when you face a particularly galling defeat, you go to the bottle and you pour yourself. For some out. reason, we decided long ago. Actually, I think I may have been not on the podcast where this first happened. Uh, I may have been. been I, I have a memory of being in Alaska on a business trip. And it might be a false memory to cover up what I don't want to remember. But... For some reason, it was decided on this podcast that when DC United has a particularly galling performance after, especially after uh, a, a run of bad form, and it's just capped off by by a perfect disaster, I that's not punishment up, enough. Adam, I just looked it up, and you are correct. Uh, Martin Chatzer, the, the the blog father, joined us in your absence because you were in Alaska, apparently, uh, and joined me and Jason to uh, drink straight shots of vodka. Hooray for real memories of bad things. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't uh, a real memory. I just Googled memories. It was six years ago. I mean, my, my memory ago. was real. I, rem- I did true. not look it up. I remembered it from my brain. The internet is my memory. <laughs> and your brain. Um, yep. Anyway, we, we decided, or it was decided that that's not punishment enough for the people on this particular podcast. It and was, so we punish ourselves with unpleasant alcohol, which is not healthy guys. We should not do that. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, it's not to punish us for, for the result. It's to uh, burn away the sadness. Also not healthy. No, that's how it works. Um, it's not, and also it's not, not a healthy grown up way to consume alcohol. Uh, I say, as I open another bottle, uh, to to pull directly from this one, much more pleasant, uh, four roses, small batch is what I'm actually drinking. Ben, what are you drinking for real? Well, I had a shot of, uh, Svedka vodka warm, uh, in a, uh, Wright Brothers National Monument shot glass, but now I am drinking an old fashioned. Nice. Um, four roses, small batch, much more pleasant than warm rum when pulled from the bottle, just for the record, for anyone wondering what, out there. And what kind of rum? Uh, it, it's actually one of the better rums that, that I'm familiar with. And the only white rum I have on my bar, uh, cotton and reed from right here in, in my neighborhood. Well, the next neighborhood over there in uh, union market, 
DC. Um, they're, they're good. Uh, I will make rum cocktails and drink them willingly, unlike most rums. Um, but still, I don't enjoy warm shots of rum ever. <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, because gin tends to completely obliterate your palate when you drink it as a shot. <laughs> and I knew that that was going to happen. Um, I made myself a simple gin and tonic before I poured my shot of gin. Um, and so, uh, that's what I got. It's Tanqueray is the gin. I didn't have any other kinds. So it was, a uh, there was no like lesser gin to go to as the, the punishment shot. Um, yeah, I was not going to buy myself worse right alcohol uh, just for yeah. this so I, I briefly looked at some of the other options um but then i recalled i don't know like five years ago i met friends for drinks and one of my friends walked in he got there after us it was it was a, a, my birthday it was drinking on my birthday and my friend um matt got there after everyone else and he didn't come straight to us and greet us he just walked straight to the bar uh, I saw him ordering two shots and I was like, all right, I know what this is about. And he comes over and he just, he doesn't say anything. He looks me dead in the eyes. He puts them down in front of me and he grabs one for himself. So we did the shot and there's no words exchanged. There's no, like, this is a, a present or anything. And I was just stuck finding out whatever it was that he had done. And it was warm gin. Uh, and I think it was warm rail gin. Um <laughs> But so the joke I, was on him because I am apparently more of a more sturdy against that kind of punishment than he is because he he felt bad afterwards pretty quickly <laughs> and not morally bad. He felt. Yeah, no, no. Physically and uh, in the guts, uh, he was immediately not well. The only time I've had a straight shot of warm gin was at a dive bar in Chapel Hill. Uh, it was one of the few times I've ever done karaoke and everyone was taking shots because it was a dive bar and they had gin on gin shots on special. So as a grad student, <laughs> as a God. cheap grad student, I was like, yeah. sure. Why not? And then I had a shot of warm gin. And then I sang Elton John's tiny dancer. What kind of bar has a shot, a uh, gin shot special. I mean, I, I guess they wanted to get rid of their gin. Was it going to go bad? Where were you? <laughs> Chapel Hill. Weird, man. So my parents are big Indiana basketball fans, which made my going to Purdue really fun. Um, but the cream and they, would host, they would host parties for IU basketball games uh, and, and my dad's work colleagues and my parents' friends and sometimes family would, would come over. And my parents had a tradition. If IU won, my dad would break out the, the silver tray or the silver platter, um, which just had all of his best liquors on it. And he would share them. Uh, with with the gathered adult friends, and it was it was nice stuff. A lot of scotches, um, so some nice bourbons and and other liquors that were nice to drink. If IU lost, the steel tray came out, and on uh-huh. that were were the less delightful liquors. The one I remember from when I was a kid was aftershock because. Occasionally, my job was to fetch it from the freezer to put on the steel tray if things were looking <laughs> dire. Yep. And uh, Aftershock Cinnamon Liqueur mm-hmm. was on there, along with some other gut rot. And um, I'm realizing I might come by this tradition a little more honestly than I let on earlier. <laughs> there you go, see? Uh, anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. 
This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Unhealthy Drinking Podcast. That is the most honest tagline I've ever given this show. I'm so sorry, everyone. We're all, f- I, I'm Adam Taylor. They are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We cover DC United. It's not a good time to do that. There's a lot happening. Most of it's not good right now. And um, this episode is commemorating that. We are going to, uh, in the first segment, talk about DC United's 5 1 home loss to the Philadelphia Union. Um, and if we're still alive at the end of that, we will go through the madness that was today it's tuesday as we record this we will go through the insanity and um the the many stages of loss we went through during today's transfer news as the uh i think we're a little over or under no a little over 24 hours from the end of the transfer window as we record this i think it ends what midday on thursday no Is that 1 right? a.m no 1 a.m thursday 1 a.m. Yeah. Thursday. So yes. Mid- midnight, midnight soccer over. house time. Yeah, because because over. the Federation headquarters are in Chicago, it's midnight wherever they happen to be. And that's the end of the day, Thursday. Yes. And that, okay. that doesn't mean that things have to be announced. It just needs to be that the paperwork on that end has to be done. So, right. so things uh, might closer, trickle out on Thursday. Yeah, closer to 48 hours. So the end of the day on the 7th or the end of the day on the 8th is what I'm asking. 7th. Okay, one a.m. Thursday, not I'm, yeah, one a.m. Thursday, not one a.m. Friday. Okay, so yeah, just barely over twenty four hours yes. until the end of the transfer yes. window. So Wednesday is is for all intents and purposes deadline day, and uh, we're recording this on Tuesday because why not? We have enough to talk about. Um, we already did. What are you drinking? So um, I guess we have to jump right into the Eldritch Horror of Sunday. Um, to which I say no more MLS games against the Philadelphia Union should be allowed at Audi Field. Nothing good comes from it. DC United's worst performance at home in 2018, to my mind, was against the Philadelphia Union. And uh, they, they put that to shame, along with themselves and everyone who roots for DC United. Uh, this Sunday on national TV, a 5-1 loss that, if anything probably flattered DC United um, before we, yeah, uh, we get to. No, let me just interrupt you there, Adam. Uh, just, I just want to talk about the one thing that is the main talking point from this game. Uh, I commend, like, I, I don't like him very much as a player, but I commend Alejandro Bedoya for what he did after his goal for his statement about gun violence, because he's right there needs to be action and it needs to happen now. So I commend Alejandro Bedoya for that. And only that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I feel the same way on both uh, angles of that. You know, I'm definitely not a Bedoya fan in general, um, but on this one, I mean, I guess it kind of shows how much of an overwhelming need there is for, for major change, not little, um, around the margins changes uh, as far as things go. Um, But major significant real change that uh, will actually make a difference um, because even, you know, even he said it after the game that uh, it's one of these things that even folks that lean towards the right politically and thus are more inclined to be in favor of the second amendment. um, Even, even in that group, there is, you know, some willingness for some kind of, you know, 
making it more difficult to acquire guns, something. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's we, something like 70% of people are in favor of universal background checks. And that's like just right. something simple that can just happen. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and it's not like universal background checks are, are kind of, in my opinion, mu- much closer to the, uh, you know, nipping around the edges of the problem. Oh, for sure. Of course um, they are. I'll straight up say it. I think the government should come and take your guns from you. Um, but I realize that yep. that's not going to be the most popular seg- uh, opinion that I've ever had. But uh, I'm with yeah, you, though. Yeah, I don't trust anyone with a gun um, at all, including like some of my closest friends, uh, my family members. Nope. Take take their guns, too. Um, so, yeah, I definitely am glad that Bedoya did that. Um, I am struck by the emotion that went into it. It sounds like he didn't have a specific plan. Um, I thought from the press box, uh, you know, Steven Streff and I were talking about it. And it's like, he surely had to plan it. He had to spot the field mic and know where to go. Um, but after the game, he said that he just had it in his head that it was something he could possibly talk about somewhere, whether it was as a goal celebration, yelled into a microphone or, you know, post game t- talking to the media. He, I don't think he knew exactly what he was going to do. He just knew that when he had the opportunity, he was going to use it. And it's good. It's good to, if, if you're going to give up a goal to the Philadelphia union at home, at least have something like this to come after it. That's in my book, that's a, a positive. And thankfully it almost overshadowed, at least in the national media, <laughs> everything else that happened on the field. Right. For a lot of people, they don't even realize that DC lost five, one. Unfortunately, we, we do, and we have to dwell on it. Um, there was a red card that mitigates things very, very slightly. But before we even get to that, we have to note that Bedoya made it one nothing inside of four minutes. And at one point, uh, I was watching at home, and at one point, there was a little stat on the screen that showed the shots, not even shots on goal, just <laughs> attempts. And it was 12 nothing for the Union. <sighs> and what the hell? Yeah is going on out here. Uh, that kind of sums it up. Um, they were able to walk through DC for so much of this first half. Um, and you know, the, the first goal, it comes out of, it, it's just such a nothing play. You know, Donovan Pines wins the race to the ball. He has plenty of time to get position on Andrew Wooten and he falls for, it, it's an old strikers trick. Um, you lean on someone just long enough for them to start leaning back on you. To, you know, they're thinking that they have to um, physically push back against you to, to hold you off. And then you just let up. And all of a sudden that leaning back against someone becomes you falling over. Um, I know some folks from the team thought maybe it was a foul. I don't think they'd seen any replays, but uh, where I sit in the press box is a great spot to watch that play. And there was not a foul. It's just one of those old strikers tricks that, um, most of the time they don't pay off, but every once in a while you get a little lucky and, you know, pines just has to be smarter than that. It's not, this isn't a young player out of his depth at the pro ranks because college, college strikers try that. And in college, he didn't have any problem with that. He, he didn't fall for that kind of thing. Um, he just in a moment was a little too naive and DC paid for it. I mean, granted, the defending from there was all pure scrambling defending and wasn't the best, but um, none of that happens if he's just careful with a ball that's along the touchline and, and 
you know, puts it out of play if he has to, or thumps it up the sideline and it, maybe it goes out of bounds in Philadelphia's half. And we're not talking about, I mean, maybe we're talking about a loss because DC didn't play well after that or before that, but um, we're not talking about giving up a third minute goal. Yeah. Maybe we're talking about, they survived the onslaught and I don't know, something changes. Probably not though, because this team was not up for it in this game. And you saw it just some people online were saying that they weren't, they weren't, putting in the effort. And I I think I disagree with that. I think they were, they were trying really hard. They were just, they weren't being smart. They weren't anticipating. They were completely reactionary out there. And if the union are they're they're not world beaters, but they're a solid team and they know what they're about. And it took them a while to get to that point. But right now they definitely know what they're about. They know what they want to do and they know where they want to do it and how they want to do it and when they want to do it. And DC United knew none of those things for their end of it. And so they were reacting and they were thinking instead of playing. And when you do that against a team that knows what they want to do, you're not going to do very well most of the time, even if you have a talent advantage. And I I don't know exactly why it was that DC United were so reactionary and so stationary at times. And it just, they had trouble just even with simple things. Like like the Donovan Pines mistake that led to the first goal, it, it, it was it was really kind of flabbergasting watching the the early portions of this game and frustrating and infuriating are are equally valid terms to describe the experience. I just I I don't have the right words to to really break it down. And most of this first half was played with DC United at full strength. The red card didn't come until the 40th minute. And this has been a theme for DC United for the past month plus is they have played badly in the first half for a while now, a while now, and not just like, okay, badly. They played really badly for the, uh, in the first half recently. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know why it's, I don't know if it's a mindset thing. I don't know if it's a, coaching thing it's just they have been bad in the first half and catastrophically bad losing games level bad for a long time now and it, it it's something that has to change for them to be able to dig back out of the season and right the ship and get them back towards the playoffs because they're still in the playoff picture right now but if they keep on their recent points per game they're going to crash out by the end of the season if they keep on this track and and just a, I mean I, I it's kind of belaboring the point but sometimes it's important to do that um looking back over these recent games you know against Chicago DC wasn't very good at the start of the game um against Atlanta they were in deep trouble for about 15 minutes before they started to find their footing um the first half against Cincinnati was pretty dreadful even though they finished that half up one nothing it was up until the goal uh, in the 42nd minute, it was pretty bad. It was very disappointing. It looked like it was going to be another one of those games. Um, against the Revs, they were down one nothing after four minutes and 2 nothing after 32. Against the Revs, um, uh, against Dallas, they gave up a goal in the sixth minute, uh, down one nothing. Against TFC, Nick Dalion scored in the 19th minute. Um, it's been a while. Since uh, you, you have to go all the way back to June to the Open Cup, and even then, 
Um, you know, DC took the lead against NYCFC, but they weren't really convincing. And then they gave up shortly thereafter, two goals went in, went in halftime down two one and never came back. Um, it has been quite a while. Yeah. Even before that, I'm, I'm scrolling through my notes and it's, it just keeps happening. Um, the earthquakes uh, took the lead through Wando in the 37th minute. Um, Chicago came here and scored twice in the first 14 minutes to go up to nothing. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a long time. It's been, it's been it's, like three months. It, 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 you know, I'm that game against um, Chicago was in May. It's August yeah. now. Um, so yeah, this has been to say it's an ongoing thing is I just want to make it brutally clear how long it's been going on. Cause it's been going on for um, well, and some, know, a third of the season. And some, some statistics I pulled up recently uh, make it uh, make this also clear DC United in the first 12 games of the season, they won seven games in the next 13 games of the season. They've won two. Yeah. They've been one of the worst teams. Yeah. I mean, they haven't been losing that often, um, but in terms of the eye test, when you kind of balance record and eye test together, this has been, you know, a bottom five team in MLS for a little while. For those 13 games, I would say they've been one of maybe not Cincinnati bad, but above that, yeah, you know, they've yeah, played one of their two be, wins was a 4-1 road win against Cincinnati. Yeah. So, and I, so and they, I think it might be 14 now uh, with uh, this weekend's loss against the Philadelphia Union. I think it might be two wins in 14 now. Well... Whatever the case, something has to change. Uh, I would yeah. argue the formation is probably one of them. We'll we'll get into some of the potential personnel changes in the next segment, but that is literally a segment unto itself. <laughs> uh, I I said a few weeks ago I wanted to see something more of the three four three. See what happens when Lucho Acosta and Paul Ariola have some free attacking roles underneath Wayne Rooney, um, who also has the ability to drop back because the three of them interchanging is, is when good things happen. And uh, I got to say, it hasn't worked. Are you <laughs> it worked you've seen maybe enough? for, I, I have, I, <laughs> I have seen enough. The The first half <laughs> of this game, what was, was it for me that it, it, we had our, our top three attackers there. We had attacking, good attacking talent uh, at the wingback position in TT Rodriguez and Leo Hara. And we had at least four, a little, I mean, we had two legit D mids in the middle um, and it, it just didn't come together. They, like I said at the top, they, they didn't seem to know what they were doing out there and that's bad. And some of that might be because of the formation, because they're not familiar with it. But at this point, it's not worth, throwing more time into it for me because they need to start winning games and they need to do it now and continuing to work on this system is is a waste of time at this point if if you want to have it as a secondary look okay that's fine but they need to go back to the four back that they used in the second half and even down a man looked better than they did in the first they looked immediately more comfortable when they switched. Yeah, yeah. they did. So, and it, it, the goals that came in the second half, I think 
were largely due to the fact that United were down a player. They were getting tired. There were spaces open, especially in the midfield, where uh, we'll get to it. But Leo Hara had to play defensive midfield. And despite his passing ability, he's not a defensive midfielder. And he proved it in on at least one goal in this game. Um, but those goals were created from spaces that are probably covered if United has two actual defensive midfielders in the game and 11 players on the field. and they didn't, and so those goals happened. But they they looked so much better in the the four man backline than they did at all in the first half. So this team was built this off season to play a four two three one. This this team was built to have two center backs, two full backs, have wingers bombing down, and with Wayne Rooney at the, and Lucho Acosta pulling the strings. That's how they built this team. And in March, that team was great. And the, the, the team that they had in March hadn't been available to play together until like a couple of weeks ago. But since that, th- those people have been available again, or since some facsimile of those people have been available again, Ben Olsen hasn't gone to them. The, 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 the three back formation was useful when DC United had no other option because they didn't have either. Uh, primarily fullbacks, but sometimes they didn't have wingers either. And so playing a three-back formation with wingbacks was the only viable option. But since they've had op- those options back available, since they've been able to play a 4-2-3-1, they haven't. And that's what that team, th- that's what this team is built to play. So not playing it is just baffling to me. Like Paul Ariola and TT Rodriguez are best coming from the outside and cutting into the middle from that wing position uh, when you, it may not look like a big deal, but in a, uh, in a three, two, three, one or whatever, uh, just like smushing Areola a little further in, like he can do it, but he is best as a winger. He's best coming from the far outside and cutting in and running at the goal. So this team needs to play that formation when it's available and they just, they couldn't for a long time, but recently they just haven't. And it baffles me. And um, so, I mean, I mean, I've been thinking this for a while and I've kind of, I kind of hit my fill of the back three back five, either version of it. Um, probably even, you know, back into the middle of last month, um, the Atlanta game, I accepted it as like a, you know, survival tactic. It, it, it almost worked. Um, but it just, it, it hasn't quite been working. I think it's just, it's not that the players are unfamiliar with it. I think they've had enough time with it. I think that enough players aren't in their best spot. It's not just Ariola or just Rodriguez. It's a bunch of guys. Um, and the other side of it is that central midfield has been a big problem in that formation every single time they've yeah. played it. Um, and the combination of those two things, it's just, it, it enough is enough. Um, and you know, after the game, uh, when we got to talk to Olsen, it took a while for him to come out from the locker room to, to, to the press conference room. Um, I think there was a, uh, I don't, it's kind of hard to read how much of it was a dressing down of everybody and how much of it was more of a, um, let's have a little heart to heart and get some things off of our chest kind of vibe. Um, but, Olsen mentioned that um, the game was physical and Philadelphia had two big forwards in um, 
Prjabilko, whose name I've definitely said wrong, um, and Andrew Wooten. Um, and he pointed that out that, you know, with, with two big physical forwards that the game turning physical was not ideal for DC on the day. So I straight up asked him with the next question, um, given that physicality, was that the reason he stuck with the formation or is it just that he prefers to play out of this, um, back three at the moment? And I want to read his quote exactly so that, you know, we're not, you know, I'm not eliding anything. Um, he said, no, that's just how we've been playing lately. Again, we need to figure out how we tweak this because right now we're not good enough. We've got to make some changes that could be tactical, that could be personnel. So we'll take a look at that. So he's acknowledging that the formation is not set in stone, but he also didn't necessarily, you know, there have been times where people have asked questions of Olsen and he said, yeah, you know, we, the coaching staff has to take responsibility or I have to take responsibility for that one. That was something that um, we thought would be this way. And then we were wrong. And this was not quite that same response. This was more of a, an acknowledgement that maybe the formation needs adjustment, but in his opinion, maybe it doesn't. And I disagree. I think the formation has to go back to four, two, three, one. It should have already done so. Um, And I think they need, they need to do it in this game against LA um, for a few different reasons. We don't have time to get into the galaxy too much because we've got so much on our plate, but um, they've been really bad in transition. And I think four, two, three, one allows more transition play on top of everything else. Um, So I really hope they switch it up. Um, They need to switch it up. I don't know if they're going to switch it up though. Uh, Before we finish talking about this game, I, since we're not going to, go deeply into the LA game. As Jason said, that reminded me that I should mention that that game DC United at home versus LA galaxy next Sunday, 7 30 PM FS one won't be on flow sports. It'll be on national TV. Tell your friends or don't you might not want them to see. You might not want them to see DC United in their current state. Um, I'm not sure DC United wants you to see them in your current state, unless you're actually at the stadium, then they, they probably want, want your gate there. Um, anyway, uh, fallout from from this game, besides uh, a blown chance to move up into a tie for first place in the Eastern Conference, uh, dropping to fifth place on points per game in the Eastern Conference. Um, some uh, we're we're going to be without some players for for a little while. Junior Moreno got a red card in this one. We mentioned that it was uh, a dog show red light. card, not not violent conduct. He. Uh, yeah. There was a ridiculous, uh, I mean, everything about this play was ridiculous. United had two corners. And after the second one, there was uh, like, we, we've talked about how players are told to play it safe when the ball, if, if you're a, a player who's a little bit deeper on the corner, if the ball pops out to you, you're to find a very easy pass or just blast it. Because right. the worst thing that can happen is an open field counter the other way. Yes. Uh, I, it, I don't even remember who it was. You look like an idiot. It's fine. It's yeah. not that big of the, a deal for the it coaching staff knows that you played it safe there. Um, I don't know who it was. The ball came out to, but he tried a headed pass and went straight to a Philly player who immediately sprung a two on one uh, going the other way. And Junior Reyna was the wrong one. Leo Hara gets back in time for the very last bit of this, but he, he was a non-factor. Um, 
they the Philly players pass it back and forth, and so Moreno is just stuck in between them. And eventually, there he is forced to pull Andrew Vooten's shirt and. Well, well, he's not forced to. Yeah, well, I, I no, he's not. Well, he's, yeah, he, he made a choice, and it was a bad choice. He yeah, did almost break this play up. I do want to say, um, yeah. he threw a heel, uh, a heel flick in. That's to, that's why the ball was airborne, <laughs> right? And that did actually make things. It gave him a chance to make a play. Um, but Perjabilko is faster than you would think given his size he got there first anyway oh, that's too um okay. he and uh, moreno and mora both were close to him but they couldn't get around him he's too big um and that's where uh moreno instead of letting hamid come in because the ball is bouncing in such a way that um there wasn't really a shot like hamid probably makes a play on this ball um and, and closes yeah. the angle for it to be a shot like we know how hamid tends to get really big in those situations um, and he was in position to do something, but I don't think Moreno read that. I don't think he understood that. And yeah, he should have just let him like it, at that point, like let it happen. And if Bill bails yeah, you uh, out, great. Go ahead, Ben. A goal, a, a goal is worse than him, uh, him getting sent off and a goal. I mean, yeah. Yeah. With I mean, the way the game was going. Yeah. Yeah. The penalty was missed. Uh, yes. But that so, doesn't really so matter is, in the, the calculus. He's now uh, unbeaten uh, defending uh, his goal against penalties this year, though I think he's only got one save. Yeah. Um, three of them have been missed, which is well, every, Everyone knows you have to be perfect. And I, I, I do don't know. wonder. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, do, I do wonder a little bit with Hamid because he's such a big guy with, with the long arm span that maybe it's making the slightest difference. I mean, it shouldn't make a difference to the point that People are just missing the goal left and right against him. Um, but he stared down Joseph Martinez and and that ended with a miss. This one ended with a miss uh, again high. So I don't know. Um, maybe there's something to his methodology or the way he's, you know, goalkeepers engage in all kinds of stuff. They look you in the eyes. They don't look you in the eyes. Um, that stuff would be, we'd need to get someone that's taken a penalty against him to tell us that kind of stuff. But um Maybe he's got some something in his head now that's that's working. So at least I mean that's a positive, I guess. We 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 have our silver lining from this game. Um <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Bill Hamid Until Bill and- Hamid goes back to Michelin at the end of the year. Thanks, Ben. And you ruined it. <laughs> uh that uh, junior moreno not the only player out he's out for for the next game on the red card suspension. It it won't be increased because it wasn't a violent uh conduct dismissal so we don't have to worry about him his suspension being increased but he will be out for the la game uh two other absences or one other definite absence going forward is going to be chris durkin who rolled his ankle then he he i think think he he popped his ankle is what i think ben olsen said i was getting there ben but then you decided to walk all over me thanks hell yeah i'm still not i'm I, i haven't forgiven you for the ruining our silver lining don't want to think about midgeland right now and yet i am just, yeah adam we had fairness to adam uh time last week now i wasn't here for that well we had <laughs> exactly. that's not fair to me well fairness to adam was, so, was a an unplanned event and possibly yeah, wasn't that fair. i don't remember that that tracks um 
anyway, Chris Durkin hurt his ankle. Um, he was deputizing for Russell Knauss, who's out for a little while as well. Um, ben Olsen said that there was a snap or a pop on the play. Um, All of those saw, sound bad. We saw Durkin let himself down uh, to the ground afterward. I didn't see any replays that showed what actually happened. Um, so I can't say how bad it looked, which is probably good um, just for, for my stomach, which of From course is dealing with warm run contact. at the moment. It just looked like he pulled up from my memory, but I could be it, wrong. We're not, we're not talking about some sort, sort, of, sort of like gruesome X rated injury that you, you would tell people to not retweet or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, sprained he his ankle something. and in Olson's words he thinks it's a severe sprain I believe is the full quote um and he was in a walking boot already when he was getting his stuff to leave so yeah um Durkin gonna be playing some Fortnite for a little while or some yeah. extra Fortnite. um this left DC United with no natural central midfielders in the game because Moreno and Durkin were both out Canals wasn't available um and their bench didn't have a lot of options. So they ended the game with Wayne Rooney and Leonardo Hara playing central midfield, which may have had Not something great. to do with the extra goals, uh, especially Hara. I mentioned he was uh, in my mind, re- partially or, or primarily responsible for one goal. Um, I don't even remember which one it was. There were five goals against. So one in the second half where he just, is is jogging back and doesn't pick up a runner, doesn't make yeah. any move toward the runner, and mm-hmm. that runner scores a dang goal. So not necessarily his his best moment in that position. He does provide some interesting passing options from that spot, especially with Durkin and Mora or Moreno and uh Knaus all out. But Rooney also provides you that option and we'll see what happens going forward. It's it's not a good time right now. I mentioned um, I wanted to, the other I engine. Wanted, oh. I just wanted to remember or to note the defensive midfield pairings in this game. It wasn't just um, that they had to make some changes. It was how many they had to make. They started. They never the game, got to stop making changes. Yeah. They started the game with Durkin and Moreno together. Uh, Durkin got hurt. So Hara moved into the middle. Um, and Durkin got then, hurt 16 minutes in. Yes. And then Moreno got the red card in the 40th minute, at which point Rodriguez moved in with Hara. Um, and then at halftime, uh, I believe at halftime, I didn't take note of that or I don't have my book with me. Um, but then they finished the game with Hara and Rooney as the central midfield pairing. Um, so they had five different players play central midfield and four different combinations within those five players. Um and yeah, uh, that's, that's bad. I, I made, I, I asked Frederick Briant after the game, he was the only other person that was, uh, that stuck around to talk to us. I'm really impressed with him and Paul Ariola for actually, um, you know, on a night where everyone could have bounced, uh, they decided that they would stick around and, and say, so Briant actually waited around. He was ready to go. He was dressed and everything. And yet he stuck it out because I guess he felt someone should speak. Um, but yeah, he said that um, it's really a big surprise. It's really, really difficult when you have that many players coming in, especially guys that don't know the position instinctually because you try and communicate, but it's so much information to have to take on for guys in that position that even if you communicate perfectly, 
it's still a lot for them to get it in their head, translate to what actions, you know, if you tell someone that they've got to move to their left, that comes with a set of physical actions. It doesn't just come with, oh, I need to step to the left a couple steps and that's the end of my involvement on this this uh, instruction. It's a lot. So all of that stuff slows down. And when we're talking about split seconds, you know, that slowdown ends up becoming a goal or it comes up becoming uh, an opening. So um, he said that it made his job hard and he didn't necessarily, he wasn't saying like, yeah, the guys came in and did a bad job. He's like, yeah, they, you know, those aren't natural players there and they're not used to that spot on the field. Uh, I'm not used to their tendencies. None of us are. So it became, you know, really difficult for, for everyone involved. You mentioned Paul Areola. Um, he is the other injury scare from this game. He was removed with a, a after holding his going down and, and holding his hamstring. Uh, both he and Ben Olsen said afterwards that it was a preventative. It wasn't. There was no pop on this, thankfully. Um, and he he should hopefully be good to go against LA. But he had some hamstring tightness and and they pulled him. Uh, probably the right decision. Uh, especially with the way the game was going. There's no reason to risk him any further out there. But still, you hope it really is just a a momentary thing and it really is nothing to worry about. And we'll find out Sunday against the LA Galaxy whether that is actually the case or whether Jason is going to have to suit up as as the new right wing for DC United. No, Ariola did say that he felt like he's going to be all right. Um, he said that he'll probably have training or, um, treatment. So Monday, it would have been Monday and Tuesday. So today and yesterday, um, and then he, after that expects it to, to have gone away. Um, so it was one of those where it was more like, well, if I keep sprinting, I might end up with a real injury. It was, it was more that than it was, um, I know everyone saw him grab his hamstring, but it wasn't the classic. Yep. I have a hamstring strain. Um, even though he gave kind of the signal of, yes, I have a hamstring strain. So Jason will just be playing central midfield instead of winger. Which is good, because at least there I don't have to sprint as far as fast. Um, I mean, it's going to be a debacle. Uh, in any case, everyone's going to be very upset. Uh, um, but, you know, I'll do my best. All right. We will uh, we'll have a full breakdown of Jason's performance on next week's show. In the next segment, we will talk about some of the players he'll be competing with for playing time or not. Who knows? Um, everything is in flux right now, but we are over 40 minutes for this segment. So we're going to call it and we will be right back with the various transfer news and rumors that we have to digest. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious... Oh, you are. I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster. And uh, if you're listening to this on on Wednesday, which is deadline day, as soon as this show comes out, um, you're you're probably exhausted from whatever final moves DC United is making. We're not even going to get you up to Wednesday's moves. This is just moves uh, on Tuesday. There there are some things that'll be finalized probably on Wednesday, or that may trickle across the line. Um, after we all go to bed on Wednesday night, but this is what we know is happening as of right now. We'll just we'll just walk through it. I think chronological order is the right way to go here. Um, not least because it starts off with the biggest news, which was the first break, uh, and to be confirmed this morning. Very quickly came together that Wayne Rooney will be leaving DC United after. The 2019 season is over. He will not play the last year of his contract in 2020 or the option year in 2021. He's done. He will spend 18 months here in the nation's capital. And then he will be moving to Darby County FC currently in the championship, the second year, the second level, uh, second division of English soccer. And uh, he'll be joining them as a player and assistant coach working with the first team in the academy over there. Um, reports from all over, including from Steve Goff, were that uh, Colleen, his wife, was not happy in the U.S. and wanted to be closer to friends and family in the U.K. Um, they have obviously a home outside of Manchester up there. And neither Wayne nor Colleen had spent ever lived outside of a, a, a relatively small radius around Manchester. And so they will be going back. Darby County, I think is uh, about 70 miles outside of Manchester. So depending on the commute, they could go back to their old house and but Wayne could by, drive or be driven by, by English standards. This is like living six hours away from your job. That's true, but who knows? Uh, it, it'll be much closer than an ocean to yes. their network of people. Um, Perhaps the most shocking part of this is that DC United will not be collecting a transfer fee as part of this. They are uh, apparently just voluntarily canceling the contract after this year, um, which I think is that's the part that feels most. I I don't know. There's a lot about it that feels disappointing, Um, partly because, well, mostly because Wayne Rooney has been outstanding for DC United. He has shown up and and put in a shift and been phenomenal and spectacular at times. Um, And he's, he's going to leave a hole in this team uh, because it it really is, has now been built around him 
And even if they're not performing, he's been he's been pulling more than his fair share. Um, so it's it's disappointing to see him go. And we knew the Wayne Rooney window was going to be small for dis for DC United. Um, we didn't know it was going to be this small and this short, and that's also disappointing. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those situations where. I mean, I understand, you know, family is going to be a difficult thing to get around. Um, I think the amount of time left on his deal and the fact that, let's be honest, like English championship teams are usually in two financial states. It's either they are falling apart and are about to go out of business or they can afford to throw a couple million to a team that had Wayne Rooney under contract for two years. Um I can see the strategic idea for DC United long-term saying, if we want to get other players in the Wayne Rooney uh, class, we need to have evidence showing that when those players need to make a change in their life, that we're flexible uh, and we're willing to work with them, Um, which is a, it's happened in other places. Um, Players that have gone to, the Chinese league uh, have had some trouble in that front Um, back when the Russian league suddenly became a big spending league. When um, Hulk, for example, uh, from Portugal went there, um, a lot of big time players went there and then found out that um, the clubs are going to be very inflexible. And then all of a sudden they all stopped going. Um, So I I understand it strategically, but I think that there is definitely room, uh, a middle ground there um, where, it wouldn't help DC United on the field right away or maybe ever. Um, as we've said on this show more than once, you can't put a bag of money on the field. It can't, the bag of money will not succeed at soccer. Um, but it would have been nice uh, to have an agreement where DC gets something for their loss. Um, it's, it's sort of tough to take. You want to hear that at least they got something and that, that part of it is tough. Um, right. It's better than getting just goodwill and potential favors further down the line right because you know a couple million bucks is tangible whereas potential goodwill is not tangible Um, do you think it's tangible (laughs) go to the corner ben uh no (laughs) we we all deserve that we all deserve that kind of joke (laughs) um no i i yeah it's uh it the suddenness of it happening um it always left me thinking that the chances of him leaving immediately uh, were very low. I didn't have any worries of him departing for the rest of this season. Um, but yeah, um, it turns out, you know, it's kind of funny that there was that rumor, what, a week, week and a half ago um, in the British tabloids that got picked up by one of our local news organizations and everyone that was mm-hmm. in the know was you know we all scoffed at it because it was like you guys don't know what you're talking about it's tabloids they make things up um but they kind of landed on exactly why he left um they didn't get you know where he was going or what he's going to do right but they landed on why um so they might have actually i mean sometimes the tabloids have actually unearthed actual facts um it's just that oftentimes they lie and thus we are you know it's quick to it's easy to say like okay you guys are liars again um, so yeah, it, it's a complicated situation. Uh, it's hard to develop a lot of feeling like my, 
my emotional ability at this point in the day for anything in the world is very like sanded down to a nub because of the number of things that happened today. Uh, at one point it was like 11 15 AM and I was like, God, it must be time to like go home. Mm-hmm. And it was 11 15. My day had a lot in front of it. Um, so yeah, it's, I think we're all still in the, that sort of processing this the whole thing, uh, mentally and emotionally as fans. So it's a, it's a difficult one. It sucks. Um, you know, that it's one thing to replace the goals. Um, and maybe between several other acquisitions over this summer and in the winter, they might replace the goals and the assists if they get everything right. But that's one, that's a lot of things to get right. Um, but two, there's a certain irreplaceable quality to Rooney as far as, um, the locker room goes. And as far as, the local media goes outside of the people that are always there uh, outside of I mean, the yeah, local he's, fans. He's probably one of the three most after Messi and Ronaldo, he's probably the most famous soccer player in the world. And you can't just replace that with even the people that DC United is linked with. You can't replace that immediately or even not immediately. Like he is, he is soccer to a bunch of people and a I bunch mean, of people I've, who never have thought about soccer before thought about DC United because he was here and him leaving sucks on that level as well. We've literally fielded requests, the three of us, to be on radio programs, act, like actual on the radio, not just podcasts in England. Um, and I've been on a couple because of Wayne Rooney. Um, because people wanted to talk about what what is DC United, what is this club that DC, that, that Wayne Rooney is going to, um, and and what was that goal against Orlando and um, people DC United was relevant internationally in a way that they I don't think had ever really dreamed of, and it's because they got Wayne Rooney and because of the end of the year last year when they were winning everything and just having fun doing it. Um, and it this makes that that playoff loss to Columbus uh, e- even worse to to kind of bear because it was yeah, such a missed it's, opportunity. It's replaced the uh, Houston Dynamo uh, Andre Hano loss in in my mind. It, it's I it's I, I don't think you can replace it. You can't replace it has, that it has. that loss. I, I mean, mean, I will never forget or forgive that that Hano loss. Um, I, but I. This one, there's less less of an anger point. It's just disappointing. But there's yeah. so much more disappointment. And, you know, it might feel better if the season that we thought we were going to be getting was unfolding. Yeah. Um, the, the season that this team sort of promised uh, with not just their, you know, statements in the offseason, but also just the look of the team coming into this year was a team that, um, could really be a contender. And this was the kind of thing that if this happened with DC playing at the level we thought DC would be on like 50 points, but they would be, you know, maybe not at LAFC's level, but what not far off. Um, and at that point you're saying, okay, Rooney's gonna, you know, possibly ride off into the sun um, with his, you know, charge for MLS cup as his final action here in the U S it'll be, um, kind of fitting. The guy has a knack for uh, storybook uh, moments. So 
yeah, it, it would be a lot easier to take if that were the situation. But the situation is that DC is a team that doesn't even pick up 1.5 points per game right now. So um, it's this is a team that is in kind of in trouble, that kind of, uh, if they don't respond very soon, could quickly, I mean, they're only four points above the red line. Um, and so this could drift, this would get sour pretty quickly. It's already kind of getting there. Um, and now we have this very tough to digest, uh, you know, decision on Rooney's part that I understand it from his perspective. I don't think he's being, you know, a jerk. It's just, um, it's tough to take from our side because now all of a sudden I wonder if the team doesn't have a collective response to this move very soon, like this weekend and the next game after that, um, I would start to expect this team to fall off. Um, the only thing that's helping them right now is that TFC and Montreal are also very erratic at this moment. Um, and that's, that's the difference between being four points clear of the red line and maybe being right at the bubble. Um, so yeah, I, I think this could have immediate effects on DC United. It's going to have long-term, uh, effects on, on the team, sponsorship wise, attention wise, the ability to draw, um, potentially the ability to draw other players. Um, all of that changes. I mean, you go to the Argentine league in the off season, looking to land a guy that maybe isn't a world star, but would be an excellent MLS player. Um, and you say, Hey, w- come play with Wayne Rooney. They're like, yeah, okay, sure. That sounds awesome. Um, when you say, Hey, you know, come play with DC United, they're going to be like, ah, let me see what else I got. Yep. So we could probably spend a whole segment talking about Wayne Rooney. Um, I think we do need to move on. And honestly, this next move we're going to talk about had me even more flabbergasted and more of a no, please. No, why? No, no, no. And there's, I have a screenshot of our, the black and red United Slack channel where it's basically that when word got out that DC United was trading 75,000 in TAM for next season and an international roster slot for next season to the Vancouver Whitecaps for Felipe Martins. I am not a fan of Felipe's. I feel comfortable saying that. I don't think any of us are. No, he's widely considered the dirtiest player in MLS. Uh, I think Sports Illustrated's player surveys had him on that in that spot at least once. Um, Bobby Boswell, I think basically one day said, you know, happy whatever holiday to all the MLS players except Felipe. Um, he's not a well-loved guy by and large and deservedly so. He uh, he injured Fabiana Spindola for those of us who've been around just a little while. Um, first kick of the game, DC United kicks off and he just runs in and kicks Fabiana Spindola. Doesn't even get a card. Spindola, I think went on to score a hat trick in the first half and then had to be taken out and missed several games because of the injury caused by that six play. Weeks. Um, yeah, six weeks. Um, which 
that story is, deserves a 30 by 30 all on its own because he, he had a ridiculous half and then had to miss a bunch of time. And Felipe Martins got off scot-free, which he so often does, which is probably only it's adds to. We're so upset. Yeah, um, that, don't, that only adds to his villainy. Um, I, I know that there's a perspective um, when it comes to players like that, that you hate to play against him, but you, you love him when he's your guy. I'm not feeling that for Felipe. Um, I, 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 I don't like players who do thing? what he does. And he, what's that Ben? Do we want to bring up the Bendik uh, situation? Cause it's hilarious. Sure. So, for those of you who don't remember, it was it was a year or two later. Uh, he was playing. He was still playing for the Montreal Impact, I believe, and he had crumpled to the ground like he was injured. And Joe Bendick, then of Toronto FC, just picked him up and like you're fine, and then and, and just plopped him back on his feet. And Joe Bendick got a yellow card as well. He should have because if it were anybody else and the player were injured, that would have been a horrible thing to do. But it was Felipe and he was fine. So that's what Joe Bendick did. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, a play that if you know, any TFC fans, um, it's one of, one of their favorites um, for good reason. Um, but, uh, you know, putting aside feelings of, about Felipe from a fan perspective, which are, it's hard to put them aside because I think for this fan base, Felipe is the number one enemy. Uh, there's not, it's not too difficult of one to, to parse through. It's that he's now that Andre Hano is no longer. Uh, in I, mean, I, think, I think a lot of people kind of put that one aside. Cause he was just, you know, he, he wasn't setting I haven't out. Jason. He didn't do something violent. He, he did right, a dog. So, right. and it wasn't punished. And then he scored a goal like that one. Yeah. That one's on the referee as much as anyone, but Felipe had a pattern of behavior that was bad. And right. specifically against DC United, a lot of the time. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it's Bulls, also kind of emblematic of the Red Bulls. And I yeah. think it's also compounded by the fact that he's scored a bunch of goals against DC United in addition to his dirty play. Um, but, you know, putting all that to the side for a second, uh, I also don't have a, I don't have a lot of uh, love for this move just based on what it is. Um, it's not so much that it's too expensive. It's, future alley it's future allocation money in a future roster spot it's not that much to give up um my problem with it is that it's a trade born of desperation um it's a trade based on it feels an awful lot like a trade based on the next couple of games um and in my my estimation you don't make huge moves or any roster moves based on two games um or three games or or what have you um, you're not going to get a very good instant performance at defensive midfield from a guy who's going to get two training sessions in before he has to play a game. You're not going to get a good performance from him. So the one game that you're doing it for, if you're doing it for, you know, oh, we're short this one game, it's not going to work that well. Um, it just, it seems like the kind of move that short-term needs are superseding long-term smart thinking. Um uh- I, I would. I, I'm a little more sanguine on this move, just not not because of Felipe himself, but Knaus and Durkin are out for a month plus each, and 
somebody's going to need to pair with Junior Moreno, and I don't think it's Segura. I don't think it's Rooney. I don't think it's Hara. And so I think it has to be somebody. And for what they gave up, uh, they have to make a move with the time they have left with Rooney. And so I think it's... It may be, yes, a move of desperation, but it's a move of desperation to try and do something with this season. And if I don't think they gave up so much that it it mortgages their future. So if they don't want to do anything with him going forward, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I think they're trying to paper over the next month so that they can hopefully get in the playoffs and maybe do something in the playoffs going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're it is a sign that they aren't giving up on the year. Um, I think it's a desperate move, but it's a desperation born out of a thought that maybe there is still a shot at this thing working out. Um, on the other hand, I think that attitude is probably wrong. Um, I think this was one where discretion would have been the better part of valor. Um, I don't think unless, you know, if Ola Kamara comes in and despite having not played since the middle of June is suddenly, um, on like a Christian Gomez level with uh, Rooney walking through the door, um, barring that sort of alchemy that can't be predicted and is very rare. Um, I don't see this season being worth making this kind of trade. This is not a team that looks to me like they're about to go on a playoff run. I'm concerned that they're even going to have the wherewithal to get themselves to the playoffs. Um, And at that point, you maybe have to think to yourself, all right, this is not a cup winning team. Uh, so do we roll the dice on, you know, Antonio Bustamante plays as a holding midfielder with Loudon. Um, he is under contract. Do you give him a game to see what he can do at the MLS level? Um, do you fight through this one game? Obviously very short. Um, and then see if, you know, you find something you can, have Rooney there. Ariola can play there, especially now with some of these other moves, there's not, Ariola is not the only fast attacker on the team anymore, um, which we're going to get to soon, but um, you have the possibility of shifting him back without it being an obvious uh, problem every single time. So I think they've got enough options at their disposal. And I also I don't think that's eh, fine. I mean, I see the yeah. point. It makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this was one where someone needed to sit down and be like, guys, this season is not going to end in MLS cup uh, being lifted by DC United. Cause I think we're at the point where we can say that it does not look to me outside of the like lightning strikes this team. And they suddenly go on a run, which has happened enough times in MLS where maybe I shouldn't be saying it so certainly, but um, yeah, I just, I don't have a, a ton of confidence in this team bouncing back in the way that they have to. Um, I think they're on course for finishing seventh and then losing in the first round of the playoffs. And that's when you're that team, you don't make this trade. But it's so it's like it, what they gave away, at least on uh, like intangibleness is so little that it doesn't matter. Like we can, we will, we can and will debate the morality of getting uh, Felipe Martins on the team. And then that that's a separate thing, but what they gave up in the tangibleness was basically nothing. So I feel like you have to do, I feel like you have to do it. If, if they had made a trade for not Felipe, um, 
it would be, it probably would change my perspective on it to a certain extent. If they had, you know, just off the top of my head, there are some defensive. Trevor Ariza. Um, oh, that's a basketball player. I don't think that would have worked. Um, <laughs> Michael Azira. That's um, who I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, if they had acquired him or um, uh, Juan David Cabezas from Houston was very good for a while and has fallen out of favor. Um, yeah. There are guys around the league. Like Cabezas has only played 300 minutes this year. Like that's someone they probably could have gotten fairly cheaply. Um, maybe they couldn't get the international spots to work. I don't know. But um, I think that if they had acquired a player that wasn't such an affront to DC United fans, um, then it, the desperation side of it becomes less of a, a flashpoint for me. But when you throw all of those things together in one combination, it, it's tough to take. Yeah. I'm like I said at the top, I'm not a big fan of this move. I, I, I'm curious whether there's something to be salvaged from this season. I want there to be. Um, obviously, I think we all do, but I, I, I might be like a little. Salvage. We're still in the playoff picture right now. We're still yeah. in the playoffs right now. But the playoffs isn't the goal. It's so more of a you goal. Have to, you have to think that you are. You have to think that you are in a position to make a run once you're in the playoffs. To to be a buyer at this point and not be setting up for, for a buyer for the immediate, which Felipe is not a long-term investment. Um, right. But he's so cheap that it doesn't matter. It, it, it does matter because of who he is. And it does matter because there are opportunity costs. There's another trade you might've been able to make um, with that 2020 international roster spot or, or with the TAM, but either way, the trade is done. He, he will be in black and red and, uh, according to some of the quotes he gave, he he wants to uh, he recognizes that there's some hate coming his way from DC United fans, and he wants to earn respect and could be in uniform uh, and wants to be in uniform on Sunday against the Galaxy. So we'll see what happens there. I think United's I next think game after that is against Vancouver. Sunday. So what's that, Ben? I think he definitely starts on Sunday just because of the roster disaster that yeah, is I, I, right I, now. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a pretty decent chance that he's yeah. going to start. Um, if he's fit, if he shows up without any injuries that haven't been put out there, then yeah, he's probably going to start. He's probably going to kick himself, uh, literally, accidentally trip, kick himself, hurt himself, and miss the game. Just so you're, go you're full saying He's our player now. Come on. Come I, on. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to do it on purpose. I'm saying Felipe is going to Felipe, um, no matter what. Anyway, uh, more moves to talk about. Some of these are incredibly MLS in nature. Um, DC United sending an international roster slot to Minnesota United for the rest of 2019 in exchange for $50,000 of general allocation money. That's uh, not which bad is, for like, what, 10 games? Yeah, it's a, it's a short-term rental, and it's, uh, I, I guess, not one that DC United was going to use. And GAM, general allocation money, is the more valuable flavor of Garber bucks. So uh, whatever. Uh, the next one is super MLS uh, $212,000 or $212,500 in TAM targeted allocation money, which can only be used in certain circumstances 
coming to DC United from Portland for a 2020 international roster slot and $62,500 in GAM general allocation money. So as I said on Twitter, I feel like this is a move where Dave Casper thought about what he could do and not about what he should do. Okay. This is uh, a, all I'm saying is uh, this is MLS at its finest. That's all. That's all it like. It has nothing to do with the actual protocols of it. It's just MLS at its finest. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason to dislike this. Portland's holding on. Portland wanted to keep the the international roster slot they have from DC United for and another sure, year, sure. and DC United actually has one of Portland's right now too. So they'll revert, uh, and then Portland will get one for for next year. And you turn some some gam into a larger amount of tam. Um, which is how the GAM for TAM transactions typically work. I think it's normally about one and a half times you throw in the the roster slot. It kind of changes the math a little bit, but uh, I think Casper got a pretty good premium for, for the GAM he sent out on this one. I have no idea. Uh, it's these trades. It's tough to judge the merits and, of, but and Dave it's Casper was the only guy trading things today. Apparently. Yeah. It's yeah. Monopoly money for monopoly money. Um, those okay. those are all the officially confirmed out, deals. Can we just point out the constant silliness of DC United and the Portland Timbers trading international spots back and forth? It's been a extent. lot. It's been like th- at least three years, maybe more. I, I think it goes back five or six years. We're on like eight, the eighth or ninth one of these <laughs> trades. Um, right. They do it just to mess with you, Jason. It's such a nightmare that they keep going back and forth like this, and it's always DC and Portland. Um, at one point... I think it was two off seasons ago. There was a situation where there were three different spots reverting back uh, across one way or the other. And yes. then like very soon thereafter, we got like two weeks of them reverting. And then those two teams traded international spots again. Um, I don't know Killed what it is. In separate transactions. Like one, one of them went one way and then another one came back. Yeah. And like Dave Casper calls Gavin Wilkinson and they just start laughing and it's like, all right, what's the international roster spot going to be traded for today? The two um, of them have a text chain just mocking you, Jason. They, they don't trade players very often. Um, it's almost always MLS assets. It's almost never players. Um, you, you take Eric William, Williamson out of the equation. And at the time it was the rights to Eric Williamson as a homegrown player. Not, it was the MLS asset version of Eric yeah. Williamson, not the actual player. No, um, yeah. Every trade between these teams ends up being conceptual and weird. Uh, and it's hard to keep track of. And I wish they would just tell us this stuff, but they never do. Welcome to existential MLS featuring Dave Casper. And Gavin Wilkinson. I'm your host. Emmanuel Casper. (laughs) Oh no. I'm not I'm not going down the MLS existentialist philosopher pun hole with you then. You're on that one on your own, which is is itself an existential statement. Is is Gavin Wilkinson Baruch Spinoza? Uh, like I said, I'm not jumping in that hole. Instead, I'm that's a question for a Timbers podcast. <laughs> That's true. Call up footy made in Portland and see, or soccer made in Portland and uh, ask them that question. Okay. That's all the confirmed moves we have from 
Tuesday. Uh, there are some a couple of moves that are not official, but are we understand done based on reporting we've heard on Twitter and in elsewhere. Ola Kamara, which we've known about for a little while, is in camp with DC United right now. He's all but signed from Shenzhen FC in China. Uh, I think the reporting on that is a two and a half million dollar transfer fee going out. Sam Stayskull of MLS Soccer, or formerly of MLSsoccer.com. Uh, I think, is he with The Athletic now? Yep. Everyone else is, so so why wouldn't he be? Um, he, he reported on Twitter that Kamara will not be a designated player for DC United. Will not, he, he won't even be above the threshold, so he won't even be a player. In 2019, not in the, the future, he probably will be. Right, okay. So just whatever this year, they've fudged the numbers enough where he they don't have to free up a designated player spot by paying down Lucas Rodriguez. Although so, he's already at Rodriguez is already a young DP, right? Right. So that would be the cheapest one to pay down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh they don't have to do that now. So at least we get spared that complication. Yeah. But Kamara is all but signed. Uh he he's a forward. He scores goals. His worst season in MLS playing out of position. He scored 14 goals. So he's a guy who hopefully did not lose that in the uh, six months or so he, he spent in China and he will come in, hopefully hit the ground running pretty hard and uh, score some goals for DC United, wherever he happens to play. Um, whether that's on the outside, whether that's up top with Rooney underneath or, or somewhere else, or whether that's uh, alongside Rooney in a, two forward setup, the likes of which we haven't seen in DC in a little while. Um, whatever happens, hopefully he, he starts bagging some goals for the black and red. Um, more speed coming into the team in a trade from the LA Galaxy. Emmanuel Boateng coming over in exchange for $250,000 in TAM is what's been reported. Again, that's not official yet, so it could change by the time you hear this or shortly after. But both of those moves... Uh, Jason inject quite a bit of speed into DC United, which is something the attack outside of Paul Areola doesn't really have right now. Yeah, it's something we've we've been calling for for a long time, and it, the team clearly needs it. Um, it opens up the field for guys like Rooney and Acosta um, in a way that they haven't had since Darren Maddox left town, um, which is still something that DC and Maddox are probably both ruining quite a bit at this point. Um, yeah, uh, FC Cincinnati. Yeah, seriously. Um, I I really like the Kamara trade uh, or the acquisition, I should say. Um, I think he's going to do what he's done in this league. I think he's uh, so good off the ball, uh, finding finding this where the spaces are going to be and making runs early. Um, the way he sort of sets his runs up uh, to open up spaces for himself uh, to fool defenders. Um, I think all of that is really promising, um, not just for this year, but also for next year um, when he's going to, you know, this year he doesn't necessarily have to be the lone uh, goal scoring threat because Rooney is going to still be here. But next year he is going to have to carry a ton of the weight and the deal only really works if he gets back to the sort of scoring uh, rate that he had with the crew where he was in the 18 to 20 goal range. Um, but I think he can do it. Um I don't think you know, he was only in China for six months. It's not like he lost who he was as a player in that time. He probably 
as with a lot of those transfers, he probably was purchased before the coaching staff was given any input. He got there and the coach was like, I have different plans for my tactics and you're stuck. Um, so that deal is going to be a really good one. Um, Boateng, I'm fine with the Boateng deal. It, it's a little more than I thought I think they should have paid. Um, but I'm not going to get too concerned about that side of it. Um, DC needed a speed option off the bench has needed it all year. Um, so the fact that, you know, Boateng, does, he's not just a guy that's fast. He's got like the kind of speed that changes the way other teams play against you, that they alter their game plan based around the fact that if you let him, if you give him too much space to get in behind, you will not catch him. Um, so that's re- a really big plus. It's nice to be able to throw that curveball, um, so to speak, when, you know, if Rodriguez and Ariola aren't working, you can say, okay, um, Ariel is probably going to play most of the game, but with Rodriguez, you say, you know, some games he's, he's been hit or miss. And sometimes it's just, you know, an hour of miss and you've got to do something else. Um, and Boateng, it's kind of a simple way he plays. He is very fast. He's a very straight ahead player. Um, technically he can be kind of erratic. Some, it's kind of like, it's not game to game erratic. It's more like play to play erratic. Like one play, it'll look like, um, wow, what is this guy doing in MLS? And then the next play, it'll be like, oh, I, I see now. Um, his technique can let him down a little bit. His decision-making can let him down sometimes, but he's so fast that he opens up so much for other people. And also, he doesn't have to be the smartest player or the most technical player to be effective because how of how fast he is. He can be a real problem. So I like that. I like that it gives that that element of variety that DC hasn't had. Um, so yeah, I think that deal of, of the two in within MLS deals, I think that's the one that I'm much more on board with. Cause that one DC needed somebody that was fast. Uh, they desperately needed it from somewhere. Um, and they took care of it. Uh, they found you know, the galaxy. It sounds like the galaxy were the one team shopping people today. Um, we heard, you know, the rumor, I think Pablo Maurer tweeted out that Chris Pontius was possibly being floated around. Um, oh. Yeah. So um, it's not surprising that those two teams came to a deal, given that DC was trying to make a deal with literally every team on earth today. Um, But yeah, Boateng, I think it's fine. It's not an earth shattering signing, but it it makes sense and it's completely fine. Pontius isn't the only rumor that that was going around. There were reports that uh, Argentine winger, Mateo Garcia, um, could be coming to to DC United. That deal is now we're told dead. As is Yamil Assad's potential return to DC United. Assad reportedly wanted too much money to make it uh, make the numbers work. So uh, and not even just too much money for DC United. Too much money for MLS teams. Apparently right. Other MLS teams are also balking at the price. MLS tag, teams away, which means DC United won't be trading, or no one will be trading right. DC United for his his services. My understanding is he out of contract at the moment though. Yeah. He's a free agent. Yes. So he oh, could so. be signed after the transfer window as yes, could Jose yes. Torres, who has been on trial and who, who DC United is kind of keeping on the hook right now. Right. And, and like as uh, Danny uh, Williams, uh, that was the other room. Not that, that they're, they're probably not going to go for him now that they made the trade for Felipe. That kind of eliminates the need for that one. Um, but, uh, that's another one where 
all these free agents, the transfer window closing doesn't matter. Uh, they have they have to get those deals done before the roster freeze, which is an MLS only August thing. Thir- August thirtieth, I think. Uh, yeah, I believe that's yeah. That's AKA right. my birthday. Happy birthday, Ben! Here's a roster freeze. Yep. Uh, but just going back to the um, the uh, Assad of it. If he wants to come back to MLS, I think his number will come down, and maybe somebody will be able to sign him in the in the uh, next month. But he could go elsewhere. Uh, he has a lot of options, so we'll, we'll just see what happens with him. Yeah, we'll see what those options are. Um, I guess one question is whether teams can trade non-player assets. Um, the MLS trades can those still happen after? The, the transfer asset window trades, closes. I think they can, players. right? Asset trades, yes. Player trades, no. Right. So we, we so, could see. So rights, no. But allocation no, the, money, yes. The rights, the rights to Yamil Assad could be traded after the roster freeze, provided that team isn't planning on suiting him up. Like, they could acquire him and he could just hang out. Um, but that's it. You can't You can't trade someone and then sign them. You can trade for their rights, though. They could sign him to a contract for next year. Right. Um, or they could trade for his rights and talk to him and say like, hey, we want to sign you for 2020. Um, this was the one right. moment we thought we could get your rights acquired. So we're going to do it now. Right. Or or they could do what uh, Cincinnati did with uh, uh, Fernando Addy last year, where they sign him and play him in USL for the rest of the year, which Yamil Assad tearing up USL would be that. That's a fun like image, the, if nothing like else. No, it's not. It's not fun. It's not. It's fun, except no, it's not. Not that fun. Um, rumors that are not dead for uh, for for now, anyway, uh, and are kind of silly and fun to think about and show where where DC United's owners and brain trust are, uh, at least where that where they're looking forward. A couple of rumors, not about this transfer window, but about the January transfer window, the off season. Um, Involve names like Mario Balotelli, who we all remember DC United was rumored to be going after when they, before they eventually signed Wayne Rooney, um, Italian striker. You you know him, you love him. He flexes literally. Um, <laughs> uh, the other name DC United is is connected with at the moment, and whose representatives are rumored to be coming to the district this week to talk to United's people is uh, a certain attacking midfielder by the name of Mesut Ozil, who I'm, I'm pretty sure won a, a literal world cup in our lifetime. Sure uh, started for Germany at the 2014 world cup has been with Arsenal for the last several years before that uh, played for a club. You may have heard of called Real Madrid. Um, he he's scored goals. He's gotten assists. Not not so many last year for Arsenal, but um, everywhere he's gone up until last year, uh, he's he's been a great player. And if you look at his salary number, your your confusion uh, it would be understood about how DC United is going to afford the services what? of Mezzadozo, who 20, does not come 20, cheap. Twenty two million a year. Yeah, twenty twenty two million dollars a year, give or take is his current salary. Wayne Rooney, for for those of you keeping score at home, uh, came to DC United 
under contract for around three and a half million dollars a year. And then there's a, a secondary essentially marketing deal he, he has with the team to, to split revenue um, derived from his image and whatever else. Um, so that, that brings his income up, but is not attributable to DC United. I think I, I assumed the David Beckham signing was the model for that kind of deal. Um, but you, you have to assume something similar would be in the cards if if DC United is to sign Mesodozel, which again at this point is far off and uh I I would say a rather remote possibility, but it it is a possibility. It would just require several things to to happen before it before it could come to fruition. Yeah, it feels very unlikely to me. Um yep. Uh, the amount of money he makes from Arsenal is it's like a world famous um, contract that people are like, this is a really bad contract, but it's great for him. Uh, It's just bad for the team because he makes so much money. Um, But that means like, why would he turn that down? Um, What, what does DC United have to offer that is going to make him want to come here for a price point that they would be able to spend, which if, even if they spend exactly what they spent on Rooney, we're still talking about, Ozil turning down like $15 million a year in salary at, at least um, to, to make the move. Uh, so yeah, I feel like there's it, the, the gap there is just so unlikely unless he has some sort of bizarre, like I've always wanted to move to DC. That's the place I want to live. Um, unless there's that uh, ringing around his head, then, you know, it can't hurt to talk. I'm glad that they are, um, if they're going to talk to a big name player based in Europe, uh, a guy that's only 30 years old is more appealing to me than guys that are 32 or 33, but uh, I'm not putting any bets or even any little bit of emotion behind the idea of this happening. I'm sorry to our, um, I'm sure many of our listeners are Arsenal fans. Uh, if you were looking forward to this, I wouldn't get your hopes up. Uh, I would keep that tamped down if I could, because it just it seems very unlikely to work out. It would be fun he, if it did, though. Oh, he would probably tear MLS up. Like the chances oh, sure. of him getting like uh, this is someone that what like two or three years ago had seventeen or eighteen assists in the Premier League. Um, so the chances of him getting like thirty assists in an MLS season are not unrealistic. Um, yeah, I'm picturing him like getting the ball, skinning a guy, putting. Emmanuel Boateng into space or, or Ola Kamara into space. And just I, th- those Arsenal teams, when he was there, they, they would, a lot of times they would counterattack and it would, when it worked, it would be very fun to watch. Um, and I'm just, I'm thinking of something along those lines or, you know, you can do different things, but it would be really fun to have a world cup winner who, who's still able to ball a little bit. Um, and just like it's been fun and great to have Wayne Rooney. And I'm already mourning the loss of that way more than I thought I would when hit the move was first announced. And we were we were questioning whether he was a better signing than Mario Balotelli would have been. Yeah. And we all look real dumb in hindsight, but we've gotten to enjoy it, and it, at least up to now. And hopefully uh, the team turns it around and makes the last... There's only four home games left this season, which is wild um but but 
Right. Hopefully the end of this season is is more fun than the middle part of the season has been. And Wayne Rooney gets to go out on some kind of high note, but we'll see. Right now it doesn't feel great. Nope. Does either of you have something more uplifting to end the show on, please? No, I don't. I think we deserve this ending. Jason, I'm begging you. Uh, I was going to save it for the tagline. All right, fine. Well, we'll that'll the last possible moment. Um, I have to put my trust in you now. Okay. So. We'll, we'll see what happens. That's it for our show tonight. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. We love all our Patreon patrons. Uh, find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, review, whatever else you need to do at on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show. So when you go to the stadium on Sunday to watch DC United against the Galaxy, tell a friend about the podcast or, or if you're at a bar watching, if you're at home yelling at your spouse about soccer, just actually maybe don't work us into that conversation. But no, no. whatever you t- don't don't yell at your spouse about our podcast. That's not a good move. Yell at strangers on the street? Sure. Not your spouse. We don't want to put that kind of pressure on your relationship. Anyway, that's it for us. For Ben and Jason, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Good news. Orlando City lost their Open Cup semifinal while we were recording this episode. Huzzah! Huzzah!